Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. Hello, hello, welcome back. This is James Dentley here, so it must be Friday, and I mean, it must be time for the James Dentley Show. And remember, we don't think outside the box because in our world, there's, there is no box. And if there's no box, there's only possibility. Uh, the ability to create your goals and dreams and make them in a reality to serve humanity. Look, I'm excited today because I have a good friend on the line uh, right now that's plugging in for our show, and this gentleman, uh, you know, we met uh, through some work with the City Gala and the City Summit out in California and uh, trying to do some great work for nonprofits for serving humanity. And I just love this gentleman's story. I just love his spirit. I mean, just he's so giving and he's so smart and so accomplished. And I want to bring him directly to you. I want you to hear his story and everything he has to offer because a gentleman who has uh, had these le levels of experience and successes and even challenges, he certainly has something to offer us. Our speaker today, our guest is Mr. Brian Smith. He's the founder of the world famous UGG, uh, Australian brand. You've got to heard the UGG boots. Okay, UGG, U-G-G. He's also the author of a new book called The Birth of a Brand, Launching Your Entrepreneurial Passion and Soul. He's a sought after speaker. He's a humanitarian, but he's also a great guy. And he's got some new things coming up. He's going to share with us that maybe we can help play a little bit. So Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, James. Great to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you, my friend. It's an honor to have you. You know, I really want to go into your story, but um, how's things going for you right now? Are people staying healthy out there? And uh, what are you finding people are doing out there? Are they behaving out there in the West Coast? Well, everybody's conforming to uh, all the, you know, the edicts that have been handed down to us. Mm -hmm. Although Encinitas, where I live, is like a little rebellious city in the north county of San Diego and it's it's the last holdout of all the hippies in the world hippies oh and surfers. so so we don't take to rules pretty much but overall you know to get into the supermarket you have to wear a mask so I, I wear my mask but um, I don't really believe it's that effective but you know I do it to conform but out on the streets and the beaches you wouldn't even know it's happening and I've still yet to know a single person who's been affected by COVID. So Really? Yeah, I don't know a single person in my life. Well, you know one, Bernie Dorman. Bernie Dorman had COVID. Did he really? I didn't, yes, well, now, I know, now I know one. Yeah. Uh-oh, we lost your sound. No, I'm still here. Okay, all right. Your sound is going out. I think your sound is off. Get that button up there. I'm not getting sound from you. Is there anything I can do? I, I, I have no buttons to hit here. Mm. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I've had uh, 10 people that I know personally that have succumbed to it. And several other people who have been diagnosed when some went to the hospital, some just quarantined. Right. Uh, but, see, but you know what? It reminds me of those movies. I remember they had those old movies where uh, there was an infection running rampant through the country and then they had to bomb a city. Right. <laughs> Don't let it be San Diego, okay? <laughs> the weather's too beautiful to explode. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Well, Brian, you know, uh, in our show, uh, we bring a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people doing some really cool things, man. I certainly love your story. So I, I really want to start. I want our audience to get a chance to know you and hear what I've heard about you. 
Can you please share with everyone a little bit about your story and in the development of this this great company? Because you started with five hundred dollars, and now this company brings in billions of dollars a year. Yeah, it's been an amazing ride. Um, and just just so you know that I, I sold the company in the mm-hmm. late nineties because it got so big I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. But you know, really, the, the the building of a company happens in the first ten years, fifteen years, and that that's when you really make a culture. Uh, so. I'll, I'll start right at the beginning. I was an accountant in Perth and uh, it's in Western Australia and I quit the day I graduated because I hated accounting so much and I was trying to figure out what to do and uh, I heard the album, I just bought Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, you know, mm-hmm. and the second song was, you know, Tired of Lying in the Sunshine, Staying Home to Watch the Rain you are young and life is long and there is time to kill today. And I thought, oh, shit, they're talking to me. You know? <laughs> and then one day you find 10, thing, 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. And I heard those words and it hit me like a rocket. You know what I mean? Shit. All my friends are tracking off to partnerships in accounting and other friends who started businesses out of high school were doing great and I was – you know, 10 years down the line, just hating what, you know, what I'd done. And so I, I was just starting meditation then and yoga and, and I thought at one point, you know, God, all the best things are coming out of California. So I decided I'm going to go to California and get the next big brand or the next big product and bring it back to Australia like Levi jeans or waterbeds or skate brands and stuff like that. And so within a week I arrived in you know, Los Angeles, I had my surfboard and my suitcase and I rented a little house in Santa Monica and went straight up to Malibu to go surfing because I, I dreamed of that all my life. You know, I've been surfing since I don't even remember and that was always the mecca for me. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a month, two months, you know, still hadn't found the next big thing and it was like the third month, it was October and the water was getting chilly and the wind was, you know, cold and, and I uh, finished up my surf and I was pulling on my sheepskin boots that I'd brought from Australia yeah. and I just got covered in goosebumps. I went, oh, my God, there are no sheepskin boots in America. And that was like the aha moment for me. So I, uh, one in two Australians had some sort of sheepskin footwear and there's 20 times more people in America than Australia. So I just thought this is going to be instant millionaire deal, you know. <laughs> so me and my surfing buddy, we went back home to my house and did a little bit of research and we called up a manufacturer in Australia and uh, we ordered six pairs of samples. You know, it cost us 500 bucks. We had to borrow some of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we sent 500 bucks down and the boots arrived and, you know, Doug, my buddy, was going to be the salesman, so he went out on the road and came back a couple of weeks later with about 150 business cards of every retailer he'd visited and no sales. And he said, Brian, you know, they tell me we're crazy trying to sell sheepskin in California. And I, I understood the, the, their fear, but Australia's climate's identical to California. Mm-hmm. So I knew that wasn't the answer. So... Every entrepreneur, you know, you, you have to pivot. When you hit a wall, you have to figure out how to get around it. So I started thinking, well, how come all my friends up at Malibu think this is the best idea in the world? 
and it struck me that they all the surfers from California who'd been down to Australia on their surf trips had bought four or five pairs of boots back for their buddies. So within the surf community, it was a pretty big deal. So I, we decided to go on the road and just hit the surf shop. So th this time I went on the road and, you know, I walked into the first store and I opened up this little bag of, you know, boots and he goes, oh, man, Ugg boots, they're fantastic. What are you doing with those? And I said, well, I'm thinking of bringing them into America. Oh, my God, he said, you know, you're going to make a fortune. Those are the best things in the world. And, you know, I was terrified of sales at that time, but I walked out thinking, well, you know, Sales isn't that bad, you know, so I went to the next store and, oh, my God, Ugg boots, you're going to make a fantastic, you know, this would be great. And so I went all the way down from Malibu all the way down to the Mexican border in San Diego and uh, Doug was doing the same thing out in the valley and uh, we met back there thinking, oh, my God, we're going to be instant millionaires, you know. But it never occurred to us that we hadn't asked for an order because we didn't have any inventory. What's the point, you know? So anyway, we, we decided, okay, we need some capital. And you know that statement that, you know, when you start out on a path, the universe will conspire to work with you? Oh, yes. Very ancient saying. And so we started putting out the, hey, yeah, we need some capital. And my roommate overheard us and he said, there's some guys at my office looking for investments. So just like that, without a business plan or, a, you know, anything, we – we raised 20 grand, which in today's money is about 75,000. And we sent 15 down to Australia and ordered 500 pairs of boots. Mm -hmm. And they arrived in uh, early, early December <clears throat> and we picked them up from the airport and we stopped them in my third bedroom at the house in Santa Monica. And, and uh, then Doug and I loaded up our cars and we headed out on the road, you know, to make our fortune. And I remember walking back into the very first shop that I visited before and now i got this huge duffel bag full of boots and colours and sizes and I said, okay, Joe, how many do you want? And he went, oh, well done, Brian, but, you know, we couldn't sell them in our store. We just sell surfboards and trunks and flip-flops, but don't worry, you're going to do great in the shoe stores. And my immediate reaction was, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the next store. Oh, great, Brian, you're going to do great. But we couldn't sell them in our store. We just sell surfboards and bikinis and flip-flops and, you know. And this happened all the way down, all the way to Mexico, you know. And Doug got the same thing, you know. And we, we regrouped back in my little house in Santa Monica and we added up the sales for the you know, our first season, mm -hmm. 28 pairs. Wow. <laughs> It just happened to be exactly $1,000, you know, and and that was like hugely disappointing but it was a big wake-up call, you know, and Doug Doug ended up getting another job and I'm, I'm sort of stuck, you know. I, I, I can't sort of quit because I've got, you know, 480-something pairs in my third bedroom and all the investors' money's tied up, you know. So, so uh, I... Uh, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, I've started many, many businesses and uh, they've all gone through this exact same theory and that's why I wrote the, my book. It's called The Birth of a Brand mm -hmm. and uh, the theme of it is you can't give birth to adults, right? Every, entre every entrepreneur starts out thinking they're going to make a million, they have the big aha, they're going to make a million dollars, but 
you get that phase out, out of the way and then it just goes into, you know, the first, you know, the conception is the aha, the first action is, is like giving birth. So giving birth to UG was buying those six pairs of samples, right, the first action. But then every business goes into this infancy and it just lies there and it lies there and you've got to keep feeding it and changing the diapers, you know, and feeding it. And you've got to just have the faith that, that you believe in what you're doing and this thing will grow. And it takes a little bit of a time, but eventually it'll start toddling. And that's a pretty cool stage because, you know, the first retailers are buying your product and people are writing magazine articles about you. And, and that very, you know, eventually goes into the youth, which is the best phase of every business because you've got consistent orders coming in, the production's working, sales and marketing's working, the warehouse and shipping's working, and you can run a $20, $25 million company in that use phase, but if it's a really, really great product or a really great service, you're going to hit the teenage years, and you can remember as a teenager you want to be at every party in town, right? Right? <laughs> every party. Well, in business, it's the same. You want to be in every major trade show. You want to be in every big retailer. Mm-hmm. And you can outstrip your capital so fast and go bankrupt in that teenage phase. And so eventually you get the maturity when you put all the controls in. But but that was what I learned from, you know, when I hit that 28-pair that wall, I went, oh, shit, you know, what do I do now? So I couldn't give up. So I, I started doing street fairs and swap meets and, uh, you know, the best thing I had going was the back of my van at Malibu Beach because I'd finished surfing and I had a full range of products in the back of the van and I would just leave the doors open and, and I, I developed this, this walk-up customer base that everybody was telling their friends, oh, there's this guy up at Malibu, sells these Ugg boots, you know, and, and so I had a really good business going but it you know, that first year I, I sold about 5000 bucks worth and the next year I thought, you know, I got a summer job and the next fall I said, okay, I'm going to advertise. So I got these models and posed them on the beach at Wind and Sea, which is in La Jolla, and, you know, the perfect hair and perfect clothing and boots, you know, front and centre in the ad, perfect sunset. Mm-hmm. And the sales that season went to about 10000 and I go, oh, my God, it should have been way more than that, you know. So got another summer job and then figured, okay, I'm going to get better-looking models and a more expensive photographer, right? So we posed them on the beach again and we ran those ads and sales went to like 20000 and I'm going, what's wrong? You know, this should be just taking off. And so another summer job and that summer I decided, okay, I'm going to quit the business, you know. But when the first storm hit the California coast, like in October, that's when Californians think winter started, right? <laughs> and uh, I got home, you know, totally wet, you know, but there's like 25, 30 messages on my answering machine from all the retailers going, oh, my God, everybody's coming in wanting Ugg boots. You know, can I come, come down to San Diego and get, get some? And so I realised, you know, I, I can't even go out of business properly. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, decided, okay, well, I'm going to advertise, but this time I went and had a a beer with one of my surf shop owners and I was explaining how I wasn't getting any traction for the advertising and he calls out to us and says, oh, shut up, Brian, and he calls out the back, yeah, you guys come out here and all these, you know, these 12, 13-year-old kids come out and he says, what do you think of Ugg boots? Every one of them, 
just went, oh, man, those Uggs, man, they're so fake. Have you seen those models? They can't surf. And instantly I realised I'm sending the wrong message to my target market, right? They could see how fake the ads were. And even then I realised, oh, my God, they're so fake. And so, I, you know, again, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you pivot. So I thought, okay, I called a buddy in Orange County who was a, a former world surf championship and, and I said, Pete, do you have any young kids in the Scholastic surf team that are going to go pro soon? And he gave me two guys, Mike Parsons and Ted Robinson. And I, we went to the beach at San Onofre in, in, in Orange County and Black's Beach in San Diego and I just took my little Canon Sure shot. I didn't even hire a photographer. And I just took photos of us going to the beach and hanging out and walking back. And I selected two photos uh, to run in the ads uh, in October, November, and the sales went to $220,000. Wow. Wait a minute. Hold, hold that thought. We got about 90 seconds. I want to keep going. We got 90 okay. seconds to go to commercial and because we won't be able to finish it. But you got another minute. Go ahead. Okay. And why did I hit 220000 Because I, I managed to portray in my ads what the kids would believe in. They they would die to be walking down the road to Trestles. They would die to be walking with, you know, Mike Parsons to Black, you know, Black's Beach. And when I got, I figured out that you've got to be credible in your ads and you've got to create emotion and this desire to be inside the ad. And when I did that, that would, it took three and a half years for me dis, to discover the thing that would make UG tick, and I, I practiced that for the rest of the career of UG. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. Well, let's yeah. hold it right there. We're going to come right back, and we're going to finish that story. That's a three-and-a-half-year okay. mark, and we're going to come back with Brian Smith. Let's take a really quick commercial. We'll be right back with Brian Smith and his phenomenal story of UG. <laughs> I love it. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com As we continue on life's journey, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Senior Straight Talk with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a purposeful and passionate, fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the information that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platform. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel find out what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voice america empowerment.com
You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Again, that's JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, we're back with Ryan Smith. We're here talking about uh, creating success and the birth of a brand. We're talking about UGG and how Ryan came to, came to California from Australia with a vision and a dream and just went after it with very limited resources under $500. And uh, came back with some boots and three and a half years, just think about it, three and a half years, nothing happened for the first two and a half. And then next year, over $220,000 in sales. Prior to that, it was around five or $10,000. So I'm going to let Brian, I'm going to let you go back into your story because it gets even better. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing is, you know, that that thing you can't give birth to adults is so true Um, because UGG is... You know, it's two billion for the last two or three years, and it's been in the billions for six or seven years now. And everyone you know, tells me, well, they always ask me, "Oh, Brian, how do you start a billion-dollar company?" And the bottom line is, you can't start a billion-dollar company, mm-hmm. right? You can only start a company, and you can you have two things: all those things you're in control of, the technology, the product, the manufacturing, all that. But the thing to be a billion-dollar company that you can't control is there has to be some sort of societal shift to happen, right, that, that embraces whatever it is you have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, uh, I remember Nike at the time, um, they, they were blue-ribbon shoes. They were up in Oregon and they've been trying five or six years to try and get into the running market and they – we're advertising in all the running ma- magazines and the, the, trying to get into high school athletics and college, you know, the collegiate market with their running shoes. Mm-hmm. And it took five or six years for them. And then finally, at one point, the sport of jogging took off, right? Mm-hmm. And that was completely outside of their control. They didn't start jogging. You know, the sport just happened. Yeah. And, and so everybody's looking, well, who's the best running shoe? And because they'd been around five or six years, they got sucked into this vortex of demand and went a hundred million and you know a billion, right? And there was another company in Santa Monica, and they, these both started at the same time I was starting UGG, right? And they had this little kid leather white dance shoe, mm-hmm. and uh, they were trying to get into the dance studios, and they were trying to get into, you know, the the uh, college athletic department for cheerleaders and all mm-hmm. that sort of shit. And they, they were five or six years floundering trying to get that business going and then the sport of aerobics takes off. Mm. You know, guess who that was? Reebok, right? And Reebok gets sucked into this demand of, you know, they do millions and hundreds of millions and they hit the billions. And, you know, the interesting thing is I read the story of Nike. It's called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And would you believe that the first five years sales of UGG was greater than the first five years sales of Nike? Wow. Right? Yeah. Nobody realizes that it takes that that struggle and developmental time to build the brand. And and the the, the theme I, I love to use here is that, you know, the quickest way for a tadpole to become a frog <laughs> is to live every day happily as a tadpole. Okay. <laughs> right? It, it sounds real trite, but that's a really powerful – every person who reads my book or, you know, here's, here's my audio book, 
they always come back and go, oh, my God, man, that tadpole quote, that's a beauty because it is so true. As long as you're trying to get better and better and better every day, you never know when that thing, like the aerobics or the jogging or, for me, that's, that whole surf thing took off. You never know what's going to change the business. So just live every day happily, trying to be as good as you can, and that's, that's the secret to, to getting forward. Wow. 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 Great stuff. Now, you got the business up and going, and everything was going great, and then at one point, uh, you were out of the business, right? Yeah, there was uh, this weird thing happened. You know, you, you, you know that that first twenty grand we raised. You know, you mm-hmm. think, oh, I thought we'll never ever need any more money. But if you're a successful business, you're always going to need money to grow, especially for buying more inventory, mm-hmm. right? So now we're at two hundred thousand. We need five hundred thousand worth of inventory next year, right? And then the next year, you need a million dollars worth of it. So you're always borrowing to get bigger well i'd brought in you know bought and sold a couple of investors out because they they just couldn't raise the money and uh finally i got these three new guys in the business neil paul and joe and we're all going to own the company 25 percent each right and uh you know that was a good deal for me because i was now going to be the outside salesman full-time which i loved and they were going to run the actual business and so i was on now commissions but I, I didn't actually get my 25% stock issued until I uh, finished this little trademark lawsuit that I was doing. And I knew I'd win that. So we went ahead with the deal and moved everything up to Anaheim. And uh, that's where they were. <coughs> and I, we fit, set the warehouse up and got, I got them all started. And then I said, okay, I'm on the road. You know, So I drive down Beach Boulevard to Huntington Surf and Sport. It was one of my good customers. And I walked in and... and, and you know, I think Jim was his name. He says, hey, Brian, I heard you sold the business. And I went, what? He said, yeah, I called an order in this morning. They said you don't own the company anymore. And I said, you're kidding me. They said that? And I couldn't wait to get out of the store. And I went to the phone booth, you know, the Shell gas station next door, and I called up Anaheim. I said, Neil, what the hell are you telling people? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you tell them I don't own the company. He says, well, you don't. You don't get your share certificate. And I said, said, oh, bullshit. You know, know, you're you're one of my new investors. You're one of our four investors. And he says, well, no, you don't get your stock. And and I just hung the phone up and I drove back to San Diego and I pulled out the contract and I read it and I reread it and I went, oh, shit, you know, I don't own the company. Wow. And I went into this horrible depression. For two or three, four days, I didn't speak to anybody except for my wife, you know. Didn't leave the house. Couldn't get a thought together. I was so traumatized because I'd seen myself as CEO of this huge international company one day, you know, and now I didn't even own the stock, you know. And so it was on about the fourth or fifth night I, I was, you know, on the living room floor on my back watching TV and my wife's sitting up on the couch, and I remember the show finished, and I clicked the TV off, and I rolled over on my stomach and got up on my hands and knees and started crawling to the bedroom. <laughs> and my wife, who's a really quiet person, she just looked at me and says, you get up now and walk to bed like a man. And she scared the shit out of me, you know. But, but as I came up off the floor, it was like coming out of a fog, 
and, and I thought, oh, my God, there's so much more to life than this crappy little sheepskin company. Yeah. And that night I slept like a baby. Yeah. And then the next, uh, you know, the next day I started meditating again, thinking, okay, what can I do? You know, will I be, you know, uh, real estate? No. Business broken? Maybe. Accounting? Never. And then I got these goosebumps again and I thought, you know, sales, I've come to love sales. And I thought, okay, what can I sell? And I finally realized, you know, Ugg boots. I love Ugg boots and I want everyone in the country to get a pair of Ugg boots on their feet. So I ate humble pie and I went back to Anaheim and I said, look, guys, I may never own the company, but I'm going to make sure I can, you know, go out in the road and get as many pairs of Ugg boots as I can on, you know. And so I did that, and I, you know, but I made them promise, don't tell anybody I sold the company, right? And so they agreed to that. And so I went back on the road again and no, nobody knew that, that, you know, I didn't have any stock in it, but I was opening up accounts and, uh, you know, after about a month I got back to the warehouse and Neil hands me an envelope and I open it up, it's a check for $5,000 and he says, that's your commissions. And I went, oh, shit, that's the first money I ever pulled out of the company. It took five years, right? And I went back on the road, another month came back and he gave me another check, $10,000. The next month, another $10,000. And I'm realising eventually that, you know, I'm not doing any ordering, you know, the, 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 the computer entry, I'm not doing any of the uh, shipping and receiving, I'm, I'm not doing any of the accounting. I'm out here having a blast with all my friends who are the surf shop owners and we're playing golf in the summertime and we're surfing together in the wintertime, you know, and I'm making all this money. And and that led me to another quote that's in my book. You know, my, my book's full of philosophy and spirituality, by the way. And this quote was that, you know, your most disappointing disappointments will always become your greatest blessings, Right. And I, when I'm on stage, you know, you and I have spent so many time, on, you know, so much time on stages together, but I always ask, you know, who in the audience has had something happen in the last 12 months that at the time you thought was a huge disaster and now you look back and think, thank God that happened. And I swear every time 80% of the audience puts their hand up. So it's just a natural rule that your most disappointing disappointments will always become your greatest blessings provided you get up and start again and get positive again. And, and you know, bit by bit you realise, oh, thank God that guy, you know, my partner walked out on me. Now I've got rid of all that bad side of the business and I've got this other great part. You know, all sorts of things can happen that make it much more worthwhile to have had that disaster. Yeah. So... Right now, there's a lot of people suffering from lack of jobs, you know, shutdowns, everything like that. But I can't tell you how many of my friends, and well, not friends, but people I know, have pivoted and started something new. And now they're, they're happier now than they were in the job that they had. Yeah. It's really a strange phenomenon. And they're like... It's, it's sort of impossible to die in our society. You know, you could 
fall down in the street, malnutrition, someone will pick you up and put you in a hospital and get you better, right? So, you know, basically we're not going to run out of food. We're always going to be managing that. But it's a great chance right now for people to pick up on that thing that they always really wish they wanted to do but never did because they needed the security of the job. Yeah. And now the job's gone, so why not? Look at, look at what it is that you want to do or something that you have a feel for. And, you know, pa- passion's thrown about too much, but, you, you know, you, you used to say if you're passionate about something, but if it's something that you really just want to do, start doing it now because there's, with the internet now there's so many ways to monetize it on and, and find buyers through the internet. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I've, I've had to do a major pivot throughout this whole COVID thing. Yeah. But, uh, and now, you know, you and I have been road warriors. You know, we've been on the plane at 6 in the morning to get to the East Coast by 5 in the afternoon to get into a crappy hotel at night and then get up the next day and speak on stage and then schmooze with everybody and then, get the plane, you know, that, when I look back at that, man, that was hard work, right? I loved the time we were on stage. I loved the time hanging out with the audience and signing books. I absolutely loved it to my core because I knew I was helping people on their own path. But, man, the work and booking booking speaking events and all of the work path that came with it, I look back at that now and go, I do not miss that a bit. No, no. Right, and I'm absolutely having so much fun. I don't have a salary yet <laughs> in the new business, but I am happier and happier than I've ever been on. You know, in the last jobs. Now, so, in, the, in the other story, you ended up getting those shares back, though. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. About let's fast forward about two or three years, right? We, you know, I've, I've been now on the road, not just in California, but I've been on the plane. We got 35 reps all across the country, and uh, they, you know, the sales are now, you know, four or five million dollars. And Neil and the guys, at the, you know, Neil had bought the other two guys out, and so he owned 100% of the company now. And finally, you know, he says, Brian, come on in. Let's issue your stock. You know, you, you've done everything great. Let's issue your stock. And we got company cars, and we took out a life insurance policy on each other. And we said, okay, the lawyers will be in next Wednesday uh, and do the deal. And so I was like on top of the world and until the weekend when, you know, m- my wife called me on the, the, the car phone and she's crying and I said, you know, Laura, what's wrong? And she says, oh, Brian, Neil's just died. Oh, right. <laughs> so now my world just starts to crash again. Like, oh, it looks so, so good and now he's you know, died and he had a massive heart attack during a motocross race, right? And they could just couldn't revive him. And I knew his wife had never stepped foot inside the warehouse. She didn't know what was going on in the business. So I called her up and said, look, I'll be up tomorrow. We'll try and figure out how to salvage this. And so I committed to spend the year for no salary, basically. Like I was still getting commissions coming in, but I did it, you know, to – just help her out basically and to try and salvage something for myself. And uh, it was, man, it was the hardest year of my life. I started out commuting to Anaheim, was like five hours on the road each day. And then I started getting the train up on Monday and coming back Friday. And I always came back with a 
chronic sore throat because I've been up until midnight, you know, 2 a.m. trying to do all the work, you know. And uh, it was really weird. There was the best of times and the worst of times, right? The best was that I just had these new colours, charcoal and black, and all the sales reps all across the country were just kicking butt with these colours, you know. <clears throat> but the worst was that I, my manufacturer that I'd been with since the beginning, he got used to Neil paying him on time for two or three years and I knew he was going to remember back to when I was running the company that wasn't that, that consistent, you know. But, I, you know, I called him up and, and uh, said, listen, George, don't worry about it. You know, we're going to get the thing together. We'll, we'll make it, you know, I'll find some financing and we'll make it work. Just hold, have faith, right? And he was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know, how are you going to find the money? You know, oh, you know just bullshit stuff. The other bad part was that I was, you know, written a business plan and I'm out trying to shop it to all these banks. And now we've been in business three, five, six, seven years, right? Eight, nearly eight years. And the banks are going, oh, it's a fad. It won't be around next year. You know, next bank, oh, you've been lucky, but it's a fad. It won't be around next year. And so I just could not raise money for this thing. Meanwhile, the orders are coming in from all the reps and I'm packaging them up in 5,000 pair lots and I'm sending them down to George going, hey, George, you know, fantastic, sales are going great, how's production? Well, you know, how are you going to pay me, you know? Well, don't worry about that, George, just start production, you know? And this went on for several months Mm -hmm. and I finally decided, well, the banks are no good, so... I lateral thinking again, like as a you know entrepreneur, you got to hit that wall. You got to think a way around it. Right, so, right. Who, who could, hope, we got to hold up on the wall. We got to take one more commercial. Okay. We're going to come back with that one. Then we're going to go over to what's going on now, and I want to promote that book because okay. I want to give away some books to some of our audience. So we're going to take a short commercial break. Okay. Be right back with Brian Smith. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time your favorite voice america talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car outdoors and wherever you need them to be listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel 
You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at the James Stentley Show.com. Again, that's JD at the James Stentley Show.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, we are back. I don't want to waste any time, but just getting to the climax of the story. Brian, I'll let you take it away. Great. So, you know, that lateral thinking, I think, well, who could benefit from me staying alive? <laughs> and eventually I thought, well, how about the tanneries? You know, the tanneries that provide the sheepskins because they got to find an outlet for all their skins. And so I did a business plan and went down to Australia and met, you know, one or two tanneries. And one of them decided he was going to back me. And so it came right through till the, uh, you know, the 11th hour and, and uh, it was, you know, su- September, you know, George, my original supplier, claimed that he couldn't get the black and, you know, charcoal skins. And, and so I started getting all this production from the new manufacturer, you know, the tannery. And uh, it was late and it wasn't very good quality, but it was enough for me to stay alive. And so we ended up, you know, September is when the big trade show kicks off and, uh, you know, the, all the fall products. And so we went and we showed up at the trade show and there was a competitor there called Thunderwear who, who had named this label Thugs, right? And, I, and, and there was on his booth was all my black, all my charcoal, mm. all of the product that I'd previously sold. And I, then I realized that original manufacturer had done an end run and went around me and set up a new distributor. And I really should have been out of business at that time, but thank God for the tannery. They came through and they, they salvaged the business and I, I sold out, you know, you know, through September, October, November, December, I was able to salvage the business with the new production and at the end of that time I was able to buy Neil's widow out 100%, you know, and she got full value for all the assets plus all the profits from the season and now I own the company 100% again. Yeah. Uh, you know, broke, but 100% owner. And, you know, who could have ever seen that coming through this web? But the only reason I got to that point is that there were, you, you think of how many times I could have given up during that process. But, in like, you know, when you start on a business, you don't start here and go straight to the top, right? Mm-hmm. You, you come along, you hit a wall, you got a, a choice, give up or find a way around or over it. Hit another wall, choice, give up. Find a way around. And so the more times you can figure out a way to overcome an obstacle, the further you're going to get ahead of your competitors and the more solid you're going to build the business. So that that stickability or that ability to, to hit hit a wall and figure out some way around it is critical to growing, even, even with a family and personal relationships. You know, you're going to hit walls all the time with them. You just got to figure out a way to make it work, and that's how growth comes. Yeah. I, I love it. I love the story, man. What's next? Where are we going from here? There's so many anecdotes here for the audience that, that take away. So what's happening right now? What's next? Well, you know, I mentioned that I had to pivot when, when you know, like you and I both had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of bookings going out into March, April, May, June, July, right? Mm-hmm. And everything evaporated overnight. Like one week, everyone canceled their conventions, right? So you and I we're, we're like broke from, from that source of income, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to pivot and I thought, you know, a couple of years ago I invested in this little company that 
has a platform where you can sell stuff online. It's like Facebook Live. Okay. And so I put in some seed money back then and I thought, I wonder how that company's going. So I did the accounting for two, because no one had done it for two years, because there's four founders. I'm out speaking, another girl's out selling these lamb leather bags, another one's an engineer, he's running his engineering company, another one's, you know, so none of us were looking after the store, right? But we're doing these sales every week online, on Facebook, like on our platform. And so I did the accounting and I and I went, oh, my God, you know, in 2017 we sold $420,000 worth and in 2018, we sold 480,000, and this with like five people selling online coming in once a week, right? And I went, oh my God, you know, no one's been looking after the stores. <laughs> I said, this is a billion dollar business if we treat it right. So I said, hey, how about look, I come in, I'll just be the you know acting CEO until we get it on the road and you know, raise some capital, which I'm in the process of doing right now. And you know, now and then COVID hits, right? Yeah. And and all of these retail, the brick and mortar retailers, they got no walk-in customers. So the timing for this couldn't be better. You know, we now provide a forum online where people come in, they they hold their product up. Let's say I'm selling my book, I hold the product up, I talk about it, and I got it. You, you're on your screen as a buy now button, right? And you can click it now, but We've got girls coming in selling silk wraps and kimonos and everything. And one of our retailers, one of the girls who sells online, she had a boutique or she has a boutique, you know, down the block from us. And she started coming online. She sells more in one hour of this apparel than she sold in a week in the retail store. Wow. Right? So it just made us realise the power of this ability to sell online. And so the company is called Lash, L-A-S-H, Lash.Live, and L-A-S-H stands for Live Action Shopping. Nice. So what we're, we're like the first, we're at the stage where it's like the first five people ever put their product on eBay, yeah. <laughs> right? That's how young we are. And so right now we're now looking for, vendors, you know, retailers who have great products that have a story because when you're on when you're selling on a live action platform, it's not just holding up a product here or a product there. You may as well just go to Amazon, right? It's dead. This gives you the the ability to talk about the product and the history and talk about me. And there's this live chat going up the screen and all these customers are talking about, oh, I wish I got that bag last week. It's, it's my favourite one. You were so lucky to get it. I'm hoping there's going to be another one. You know, and so and they're asking the the, the 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 owner of the business, hey, you know, when do you think you'll have another shipment of this coming in? So it's incredibly interactive, and people are getting bargains by by shopping on this live platform. Wow. So yeah, Lash Live. I think you're going to see it in the next couple of years. Just Learn because it, you know, shopping's dead. Online shopping is so boring and dead. Yeah, you know, Amazon. You have to be looking for something to get it. You know, you can't just put your products on Amazon and automatically know you've got a group of buyers. We, we Lash Live brings a whole group of shoppers wow. along with it. So you know, it's it's just a really really cool platform. 
Yeah, that's some phenomenal value. Hey, everybody, look, go to Lash.com. If you can get your products and services out there. Lash.live. Yeah, Lash.live. Okay. All right, we're going to type that in the feed. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so anyone can go and, uh, you know, just log in and become a a shopper. It'll ask for a credit card, but you'll never get charged unless you buy something. But it gives you the ability if your credit card's in there, then you can shop because you can hit this one-click button and everything's taken care of. Nice, nice. I love it. I, I love that. It's a phenomenal opportunity, especially for so many people that their brick-and-mortar stores are gone. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, look, I want to just say this really quick. For, for the first 15 people that can send us a, a response uh, through the radio, through uh, JD at James, com, or through Facebook, the first 15 people that do that, and you give me one of the antidotes, one of the things that Brian, one nugget that Brian has shared with you, we're going to send you on the show with one of our sponsors. We're going to send you a copy of the book, A Birth of a Nation. And I want you to help promote Lash.Live, and let's get it out to the masses. Well, that's cool, James. Thanks a lot. Uh, it's my pleasure, my friend. You're just awesome, man. Any final thoughts from you, Brian? We got about another five minutes. Yeah. No, it's just I guess the, uh, the the theme of what I've been talking about is you know perseverance, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times luck will come to play, you know, but luck will only happen when you're on the road doing something. You know, if you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, you'll never get lucky. But mm-hmm. if you take the initiative, try and start a little online business or something, there, there's this this saying that the the universe will conspire to work with you, right? Not many people understand what that means, so I'm going to give you an example. When's the last time, James, you saw an advertisement for a refrigerator? Wow. Probably never. You probably can't remember, right? But I'll tell you what, if you needed a refrigerator this weekend, guess what would happen? You would start seeing ads on on YouTube. You would start seeing... Stuff you'd be in in a store and the papers there and it's open, the classifieds are open. There'll be a refrigerator there. You'll be yep. driving down the street. You'll be looking in a window. There'll be refrigerators there, right? Yep. Because once you start out on the path and you have an awareness of something, all of this stuff—it's always been there. The universe is absolutely perfect. Everything you could possibly ever want exists right now. But until you start your focus, you're never going to see it. So when you start seeing all these refrigerators, put that in terms of your business. You really don't know where the hell you're going. You've got an idea. You've got, to, you've got to take the first steps like I did buying some samples, right? And then all these things like getting shut down by the surf shops, best thing that ever happened because I realized, oh, my God, I'm not credible. I don't have the right image. I don't, you know. So all of this negative shit happens, but it's all stuff you can turn into growth and positivity. And so the universe will, you'll be talking to somebody. Look, how about you and I in this conversation beforehand? You were talking to Jeff. You know, I'm already at the same time talking to Jeff in another way, and we have these interactions. People help each other. You hear things. Oh, I can introduce you to so-and-so. Or, hey, you should be doing this. Check out this website. They're doing something similar. And so all of this information that's already existing in the universe will suddenly work in your favor. And that's the most critical thing to learn is that don't sit on the couch hoping. Get out and it doesn't matter how small the action is, 
it will lead to something bigger and that'll eventually lead to something bigger, you know. That same thing happened in UG, you know, just keeping on, keeping on. You know, the, the, uh, I, I started out this by talking about luck. Well, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was, was not really luck, it was karma. You know, I'd been shipping product to this girl in England every Christmas. She wanted 20 pairs shipped to all her friends, you know. But it was Trudy Styler who was the wife of Sting, you know, and so we had this celebrity thing going. We wanted to be, you know, helping out. So she eventually called me one Christmas and said, oh, Brian, Brian, I need the biggest favour, you know. I've just been to a seminar. It's changed my world and I need the most perfect pair of tall sand Uggs, you know, size, I can't remember. And do you have a pen? Here's where to send them. And she goes, Oprah, care of Oprah Winfrey Show, Chicago, you know. Right. And, oh, my God, we sent the boots to her and she immediately ordered boots for all of her staff. And that took a, a couple of years and this was just right as I was selling the company. But we ended up being on the best picks for Christmas and Oprah's favourite things. And this was back when Oprah was at an absolute peak of popularity, you know. We were 20 minutes of nothing but Ugg boots on best picks for Christmas. You know, the elves are running around you. Now, that would have cost millions and millions and millions of dollars of advertising, and we got it for nothing because, you know, that, that providence of doing a favour for Trudy led to Trudy doing a favour for Oprah, led to Oprah doing a favour for us, you know. And, and so these serendipitous things happen, but only when you're in process. And Oprah was our societal shift. You remember I talked about Nike and Reebok? Yeah. Well, Oprah was the societal shift that we had because it went internationally instantly. You know, I'd been predominantly selling to, you know, retail stores and now I'm getting into every specialty store on the planet, you know. And, that, and so that was, you know, the main thing is that, that if you are starting anything, starting, you know, especially now if you've lost your job, mm -hmm. Figure out what it is that you've always had an inkling to do, something that you'd really like to do. It's, you know, you may not even think it's ever going to get you rich, but start out and the universe, I promise, will help push it forward for you. You heard it, and I totally believe that I'll live there. Brian, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with each and every one of us. Now, again, I want you guys to type in the antidote, one of the nuggets that Brian gave us, and we're going to send you out a book, Birth of a Nation. Make sure that you personal inbox uh, myself and we'll get your address. Uh, we just sent out books from our scale last week. And I want you all to go to last.live. Refer to other people. If you know someone has a great product service, wants to get it out into a fresh new market where it's more exciting and more personable, you definitely want to do that. And uh, Brian Smith, we thank you so much, man, for never giving up and for being a great example for each and every one of us. Well, folks, that's going to end our show for today. Um, next week, we got another exciting show, so I'm going to start promoting that on Monday. You guys have an incredibly blessed weekend. Stay safe, and let's go out there and live your wildest dreams. And remember, we don't think outside the box because in our world, in this world, there is no box. Only possibility. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
We'll see you here next week.